You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. You are here, my friends, because you believe that human potential is nearly limitless, but you know that having potential is not the same as actually doing something with it. So our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that are gonna help you actually execute on your dreams. All right, today's guest was wrongfully convicted of sexual assault at the age of 17 and sentenced to 20 eight years in a maximum security prison. This miscarriage of justice robbed him of nearly 10 years of his life, and while most people would have been lost to hopelessness or swallowed by blinding rage, after a chance encounter with a fellow inmate snapped him out of his passive approach to a situation, he decided he was going to fight for his freedom. Armed with a radical new enthusiasm, he threw himself headlong into the prison's library, beginning the long and arduous process of teaching himself law. Realizing the need for help, he launched a tireless outreach campaign that saw him writing upwards of 50 letters per week. And this onslaught finally got the Wisconsin Innocence Project to come to his aid and help him secure the legal team that would ultimately assist him in winning his freedom in 2007. But hell-bent to do more than simply get out of prison, despite being broke, having no credit history, and a 10-year gap on his resume, he decided to double down on his education. Living on his mother's couch, he first attended community college, then transferred to Roosevelt College, where he graduated with high honors and obtained a BA in criminal justice. In recognition of his extraordinary work and talents, he became the 2012 recipient of the Chicago Bar Association's Abraham Lincoln Maravitz Public interest scholarship, which he used to attend law school. After graduating in 2015, he went on to pass the New York State Bar, win a coveted position to clerk for the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, the very court that overturned his conviction. Guys, please help me in welcoming the co-founder of Life After Justice, the Investigator of the Year Award recipient and relentless advocate for legal reform, Jarrett Adams. It is an honor to have you. Thank you. Um, Everybody, I'm sure, every time this happens, freaks out about your story. I mean, it is, is, in fact, it was uh, two seconds before you came on, George, who you met, uh, said, literally, if you were going to ask me to say what my nightmare is, my nightmare would be to be wrongfully convicted. What is that moment like? It's a hopeless feeling. Um, and you're surrounded around a bunch of hopelessness um, inside of the, the criminal justice system. You know, I, I quickly realized that it wasn't about the truth in my case, because if it was, I, I never would have been tried, convicted, anything. Right. It was about who I was, who was accusing me and what resources did I have. Right. And in my case, I'm young black man no resources, just a high school education. And I was accused by a white woman of, of, of rape. So all of those were like the ingredients to, to, to see the injustice happen to you in the criminal justice system. So to, to go through it at first, um, there was a transformation that I took while in prison. Um, shock, 
was definitely the first of, of anything, just the initial shock to be 17, turning 18, turning 19. Um, I'm receiving letters from my friends who had gone off to college, got their first car, got their first credit card, maxed out, maxed out their first credit card. You know what I mean? Just, just stuff like that. Just the stuff where you're like, look, this is the maturation process that kids go through and that sets them up to who they be, who they become in life, right? Um, that setup for me was, was taking place inside of a maximum security prison with a 28-year sentence. Um, I started to, to, to just go into a dark, just desolate, there's no way I'm getting out of here type of place. It was a, a, a splash wake up to race the criminal justice system and what it's like to be uh, under, underprivileged um, and, to, and to face the criminal justice system. And I'm watching the worst of the worst horror movies. Uh, to be accused of something, um, of raping a woman. And I, and I was raised by, like, a, a single mother, my, my two aunts, my grandmother. So more than anything, I felt, like, in debt to explain to them, this is a lie. Right. But I didn't really have to do that with them because, like, they knew me. You could have called and said, look, I took someone's skateboard or just some juvenile stuff, right? But you weren't going to call and say, I shot nobody, robbed nobody, or raped anyone, right? Like, they just weren't going for that. They weren't buying it. And that's when the conversations they started to have with me was a bit more raw, a bit more, you know what? You've grown up in an all-black neighborhood. You've never experienced racism. We've told you certain things are out here, and boom, this is what's going on. This is why stuff doesn't make sense to you. Uh, we can't afford to get you an attorney, um, we don't know much about the law. No one in my family had been arrested, charged with any crimes or anything like that. So it was one of these things where I could recite to you the entire Tupac album, but like none of my constitutional amendments or any of those type of things. Right. Um, and I look back on that and I said to myself, first of all, how did I how am I so ill prepared? How are we so ill prepared to like deal with this? Right. To be accused is one thing, but to like not have the resources to prove your innocence is like a total, it's a, it's a totally different animal. Um, and you're there and you're watching this and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And that is a, a terrible, lonely, isolating feeling um, for me, definitely. But when I would turn around and I would look at my mother in court, and to just look at those, those wrinkles and those creases of anguish on her forehead, it spoke to me what she wasn't able to say in words. And she felt like she had failed me by not having resources to be able to afford to buy me an attorney. But I felt even more um, in pain because like I, I told her I was going to spend the night over a friend's house and we snuck to a party where this allegation was able to be made in the first place. So. I felt like I just felt so, so torn up by that. So torn up to the point where um, I'm in prison. Yeah, I'm mad I'm there. But if you ask me what took first place, me being there and being mad I was there or me being mad at how I disappointed my mother, mm. like that came A1. Like, I mean, what did this woman do but go to work um, worked crazy early hours to provide for me and my brother. Um, and I just, man, I just, just, just almost just blew not only my life away, but, but her life because, um, 
the people who are in prison aren't in prison themselves. Whether it be rightfully or wrongfully, um, if you use the analogy of a bomb, when it hits its target, collateral damage is always affected. And that's what the criminal justice system is. Um, my mother was very much so imprisoned uh, by me being there. You know, couldn't go to church, go out to certain events, and people would ask, hey, how's Jared doing? Um, how do you go on to start a story where, like, yeah, he's in prison, uh, but he didn't do it? Right. Doesn't it sound familiar to, like, a lot of, you know, the things that people say? And so um, it was that. It was that that I locked on to. And have you guys reconciled that? Like, I'm assuming you've talked a lot about that since you got out. Yeah, we, we, we developed a really close relationship um, while, you know, while I was there. You got closer while you were in prison or when you got home? While I was there. Because, and the reason I say that is because we know our parents as kids, right? But we don't really get to know them until we're adults, right? You know what I mean? Like, to, like, like who they are as people, right? We, we know um, who they are as parents, but we don't get to know them as, as people. And it was, it, was, it was that maturation process that, that, that I was you know, able to go through, even in a hellhole like prison, the letters, the, the sending me verses from the book of Psalm and the Bible, the having conversations, the, the real unfiltered conversations of, look, let me, let me tell you what this is about. And let me tell you why. You, you can't do certain things in America if you're of black and brown um, skin color that other people can. You don't get second chances, right? You're, you're not like you're not one of the Duke lacrosse team teammate members, you know what I mean, who got accused of a rape, never went to prison. Even the prosecutor was disbarred, right? And that, that case was so similar to mine, but it was just like I got 28 years and got convicted because of like the circumstances that I spoke to you about before. So we just had a real conversations. And, and, and it, it, you know, it made me become a, a, an adult um, far beyond my years. It kept me alive, so to speak, to where it was like, you know, I'm getting these letters. I'm able to communicate with her on the outside. I'm able to understand, like, what's important to me, whether inside or when I get outside. No matter how painful it is, I got to keep going. And I got to keep going because what is my passion? What is my focus? Your focus and your passion will numb you to failure and to pain of striving to get to where you're trying to go. All right, well, I have to ask, because we're going to get to that, but I have to ask, why come out and get a law degree? Why not come out and just burn shit to the ground? Yeah, well, you know, you know, listen, don't let me come across as if someone who's just like not mad and happy <laughs> and jovial. Like, hell no, I'm mad. Like, for real, I am. But, but, but the, reality, the reality of it is this, right? So, so now look, there are a lot of things that come with prison, right? But when you do a credit report check, your last known address shows up. My last known address was a supermax in Wisconsin. So it was like, you know, I couldn't get away from like that gap in my life at all and stuff like that. And so, so what I was saying, there's a stigma that is attached to people who go to prison. Mm. People who go to prison and who come out of prison, whether rightfully or wrongfully, you, we just assume like this, this guy or this girl has got to be a character from Orange is the New Black. Like something's like, you know, something like that, right? So my mother and my aunts would pay attention to me and they would look at me and they would just like notice like I was really quiet. And they were like, look, why are you not mad? We mad as hell. Like you're not <laughs> mad. Like something isn't right here, right? So they, they were encouraging me to go and, and to to get therapy, to get help. But I kind of felt like they were calling me crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it was just more so one of these things where I fought it for a little while um, of going to get the help that I so desperately needed, right? right. 
So that's why I'm able to be, you know, how I am now and be able to deal with certain things. I was able to let it out. Because um, you did go get help? I did go get therapy. Yeah. I had to go down. I had to go and sit down and um, because I, I inside etern- internally really was ready to burn stuff to the ground and, and be upset. But I learned through going to get the therapy and be able to let it out that I learned that this thing is a powerful thing right here, right? And you can bald it up smack a few people with it, and you probably feel good momentarily. There are repercussions with doing that, but you'll probably feel good momentarily. But if you take the same thing and you just do this with it, right, you'd be surprised how much more powerful and lasting that, that it becomes. So that's why I wanted to become an attorney. But how'd you get convinced of that? I mean, so, like, I'm just putting myself in your shoes. You're 17. Yeah. By definition, you're dumb. Because yeah. you're 17, yeah, right? Absolutely. I was dumb as hell at 17. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm just going to assume, right? Yeah. So you like when I when I look at your story yeah. from the outside and go, that shit is so unfair. Mm-hmm. And like I'm a big guy. Like if you come to me and start crying about fair, I'm just going to tell you life isn't fair. But that's so unfair yeah. that it's like, Jesus, what do you do with that? So right. I know I would have had a lot balled up. I would have been super pissed off. I don't know how easy it would have been for me to go, I can ball this up and smash somebody. It'll feel good, but repercussions. Or I can write and really move something because there's a huge chasm of nothingness in the middle. Right. Which is the more obvious choice. Because I wouldn't have gone out punching people. That's not my Mm -hmm. makeup. But I could see losing years to feeling sorry for myself, yeah. to the, the black hole in the middle. Yeah. So what, one, walk us through the interaction you have on lockdown that mm-hmm. really flips a switch for you, that makes right. you realize you're gonna fight and find freedom. And then what the other moment is when you realize I'm gonna do something more than just burn things to the ground. Right, well actually, you know, uh, a lot of what you just described it was, it was more, it's like my life and who I was was morphing right in, in front of me. So yeah, I went through those angry stages, those mad, no one cares, I'm the victim, and stuff like that. I went through that. But, but, but by doing that, I cannot stress this enough, by doing that, it added to the definition that was in my mother's forehead with those wrinkles mm-hmm. and those creases of anguish. So I locked on to that. Like, how do I lock on to that? to block out the pain, the anger, um, and frustration that I was that And I was that doing. is bringing beauty back to her life. And I, I, told, I, said, I said, you know what? And, you know, uh, this woman was, was, was having her head down, crying, um, not knowing what to do, um, coming to visit me five, six hours away, uh, broke her leg one day, coming to visit me in the wintertime, accepting ex- expensive phone calls. I was indebted to that woman, and I was going to pay her back. You could believe that, right? I didn't know I was going to become an attorney, but I knew the next time she walked up in that church and sat in the front row, she was going to be proud to say what Jared was doing and not ducking her head, right? So, and that's what I locked on to. And, and, and I say this, whenever I go and I speak to kids and stuff like that, you have to be crazy and believing what your goal and your passion is. Mm. Because when something is crazy, even though it's crazy, you still do it, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's what you have to become. You have to become insane, right? Where Steve, did you learn this? I mean, I cannot tell you. I, I, I had to pick this up in prison. Like, I had to pick this up in prison. I had to Are you learning step by step? Is somebody, like, saying some of this stuff? Yeah. Like, this is so powerful. Right. No, I mean, I look, this is all based on research. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. So you're reading. So I'm reading, like, crazy reading. Like, reading books in a day and a half. You know what I mean? If it's right. good, you know. Sure. So uh, I, um, 
I we were we were I was in maximum security prison, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was one of the most violent prisons like in the state. Like it had the nickname Gladiator School, right? And so you know, like, look, it lived up to its title. It's just a ridiculous setting place for anything to be called corrections. Like, nah, man, it's like Department of Warehousing. Let's be honest. Like, that's what it is. So one day it was a, it was an incident that happened where it was just like it was like a stabbing or a beating or something like that. And they put everybody on on lockdown at this time. So when they put you on lockdown, you're on lockdown uh, 24 hours a day. You're in your cell. Uh, about the size of a broom closet in New York, right? You know what I mean? Like that, that small. You know, it's uh, two beds stacked on top of each other. The toilet's right by your head. You know, there's a TV in there if you can afford one. And there's like a little stool, you know, sticking out, out of the wall. And, and that's where everything is like where you're at. So lockdown is one of the most inhumane things to like be on, especially when you're there for like more than 24 hours. So... When you're on lockdown, they, what they're trying to do is they're trying to find out if this is like a, 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 a like a grand scale riot or if this is just like an isolated incident. Mm. So that way they can determine when when they let down, let people off a of lockdown. So if you have the phone that night, phones are assigned to people on different nights and stuff like that. They'll bring you the phone. Um, they bring you your food to your cell. Like they throw you change of clothes there because you don't take a shower during certain periods and since during during this uh, lockdown and. It was my phone night. My cellmate, older white dude, you know, I've been in there for about five months, and me and this guy didn't really have a conversation past two sentences, right? Um, I had just begun really starting my time. I was younger. He was older, been there for like 19 years. He was already set in his ways, and it's like a different, these are, we're different people, right? You know, so things that may irritate him and stuff like that, um, I just tried to stay out of his way. So I was on the phone with my mother, and my mother patched in my aunts on a three-way call. Um, and I was explaining to them, uh, like the appellate court was like denying another one of my appeals and they just kept asking, like, I don't understand if, you know, there are witnesses that are coming forward now and your lawyer didn't call any of these people who basically provided you an alibi. Like, I don't understand how they're ignoring this. Like, and, and I really came to understand that as well. Like, it's not about the truth. It's about what you can prove in court. They don't care. The, the criminal justice system doesn't care about the truth, man, unless you're rich, you know, and. You don't go to jail when you're rich unless you piss off other rich people, you know? So it's just, you know, it's just really nuts, right? So I, I um, was in this cell and he told me to come down off the bunk after I got off the phone with my, with my mother and my aunts. And he was just like, um, yeah, I heard what you was up there saying. And I'm like, sure you did, man. You like within arm's reach and in the damn bunk. Like, of course you did. So he's like, no, nah, but you know, I, I listened and, and, and what's confusing me is um, you go work out, you play chess, you play basketball. I've never once seen you look looking at your case, working on your case, like, and so that's just like it's confusing to me, man. Like, you know, you're saying you're innocent, but you're like, you, you act like you're enrolled on the college campus here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he began to have a conversation with me and, and and point out certain things to me, and he was like, "Look, the same dudes that you're talking to, um, they'll be paroled out in the wintertime. I want you to listen real well for their voice at the end of the next summer." Sure enough, he was right about a lot of that stuff. He was right about um, that. Because they came back. Um, they came right back. And you want to talk about scary. It was never a violent incident that I saw in prison that could scare me like looking at people leave out in December and come back in July. Mm. Like routinely. Like routinely. And I would ask them questions. And I, I'll get to that too, how I, how I was able to start picking people's brain to find out what, what, what I wanted to do in my life. But so he, my cellmate, old white guy by the name of Pops. So he asked me for my transcripts, my paperwork, police reports. He was like, let me, let me just see it. 
um, and, I, and I'll, I'll go through and I'll give you my advice. So we got off of lockdown and he was still like going through, uh, you know, my paperwork and stuff like that. And he was going to let me know his opinion. So, you know, we get off lockdown and you would think I would go right to the library, right? Now, I had like 23 points that day on the rec yard. I was balling out there, okay? Um, but it was, it was, and the thing about it is this. Like, I wasn't doing it because it was just like, man, forget this crap. Like, I mean, like, I did not know how to deal with this. I was lost. It was painful to get pictures looking at my nephew uh, just born when I'm locked up. And he's like growing up. Like, look, I had a, a niece who, who came to the family that I didn't even know, like just looking at pictures. So it was just one of these things where it was like, look, I didn't want to deal with that. Like that was my, th- that's how I dealt with it therapeutically, to just ignore it and not deal with it. I came back off of, uh, you know, the rec yard and my cellmate was sitting in, in, in the cell and he was just like, I want you to sit down for a second. He was just like, look, I do a lot of legal work helping people out and stuff like that around here. He was like, I've never in my life seen such bull crap and it's racial bull crap and he's like there's no evidence here man he's like you got 28 years you know the guy you was out there playing ball with he shot two people he has 18 years so it's just like he was just, just just explaining to me waking me up so to speak to say look if you keep on it's only a matter of time before you're walking around here with tattoo tear drops under your eye and and, and and basically becoming immersed in what the prison culture is right um and and it woke me up it gave me um a different perspective on why I was there and, and, and who was counting on me, you know, on the outside, like very much so. My mother was in prison just minus the bars, you know, and I was looking at it take a toll and an effect on her and my aunts. And so he threw me a notepad and he said, look, I want you to look at this case. It's called Strickland versus Washington. And, you know, uh, I went to the library and I, I started looking at this case and I'm like, all right, OK, I get I get what it's saying. So Strickland versus Washington is a case where it's like a lawyer who failed to do his job and his failures were constitutionally like 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 just just not allowed by standards, you know, uh, in, in a court of law. So they overturned this guy's conviction and stuff like that. And so when I came back to the room, I asked him, I said, look. I read the case. Is this, is, is this what you're trying to get me to, to understand? He threw the notepad back to me. He said, no, nah, look, you go tell me what I'm trying to get you to understand. Wow. So it was, it was a course of a couple weeks of going back and forth to the library, coming back on the same case, the same case. That's, how, that's where my academic level was when you just graduate high school from a south, south side of Chicago type of high school you know, and, and depending on what school district you're in, right? You know, you don't get the the, the the best of the best education. And so, you know, I'm I'm not knowing anything and I'm 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 going through and I'm reading words. I have absolutely no idea what they mean. And each time I would come back and ask what the word meant, he would send me back in the library to go tell me what the word meant. Right. Um and so I did this over a course of time and uh like I gotta understand and know what was going on. I got this sounds I like a movie, clearly. right? Well, I'm hoping, you know, I mean, is- <laughs> I'm hoping. you know, I'm recently married and my, my wife wants kids. So, look, I'm hoping, you know, um, but more than anything, I'm hoping that it has a, a, a couple different impacts on people in society in general. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you believe that the, the criminal justice system is about corrections, you, you need to go find the biggest pair of scissors you can and cut that shit out because it's not true. <laughs> like, it's absolutely not. It's not true at all, man. Like. 
that wake up call was like important to me because he included a lot of other colorful language in there just to, just to say like, look, dude, I ain't never going home. Like, I'm never going home. Right. And you're here for some racial bull crap. And it's like he's like, look, it's five different versions of events. Like, which one is the state saying happened? And then he was like, more importantly, there's a witness that is saying that he is with you guys from from like the beginning to the end. And it was a student there. So it was stuff that I wasn't. All I knew was this. I was accused of a rape. That's all I knew, right? I didn't really know what we were accused of or anything like that until I got, got to the trial and heard what it was and just heard the ridiculousness of, like, wait a minute, dude, are you serious? It was like all students all around, they could, we're the only three black guys on campus, man. Like, I mean, look, people saw us, right? They knew where we were, like, at all during, during the, the, the party, right? So um, I just, I looked at this, and I, and I looked at this, and I started to read what was going on and I started to draft like what I thought would a petition would look like to get me home. But simultaneously while drafting this, I was writing letters to as many people as I can as I can get in touch with. Like seriously, when I when I tell you I was sending out 50 letters a week, like I'm not lying, I'm not making this up. I got a I got a hold to a, a, a typewriter and I typed out a letter explaining to people, look, I'm innocent. This is my issue. These are my claims. And the letter would have a blank as to who it was going to and a blank as to the date. And I would run off copies and I would send these things out every week. And you would only get 20 stamps like allowed off canteen. Man, that's even crazier. Like you can get like 50,000 bags of chips, but you can only get like 20 stamps. Like, come on, man. Like I'm, that's not, get, crazy. I'm not getting that. So I started helping other people with, with uh, legal work and in return, they would give me stamps. So that's how I was able to mail out 50 a week. Like I wrote everyone trying to get help. And yeah. I told myself, I said, look, okay, now, now people, they, they weren't responding at first, but I was like, all right, even if you respond to tell me to stop writing you, you're going <laughs> to respond, right? Because I was sending these things out. And so I was getting feedback from, from certain organizations who were on the way up as to, to mm-hmm. opening up the, the, the door to showing the different injustices of the criminal justice system. And helping society to understand that not every time someone walks across your stream in the perp walk, what we call the perp walk with handcuffs, and they're accused of something, not every time that happens, they are guilty of what they're accused of. Um, And, you know, it was just one of these things where it was just like I told myself that I would be going home each day the next day in order to keep myself from going crazy. In there, you know, it's just one of these things where I was able to, to 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 grow both writing these letters, watching what was going on on the outside as much as possible. Because I would go to the law library, I would I would get the newspaper, um, and when I couldn't find case law in the library, I would write different attorneys out of the newspaper because they they always show your your name or your address. And one of the guys' name was Robert Hennick. Robert Hennick was a criminal attorney who did post conviction work out of Milwaukee. And he responded to my letter and he started to help me edit the, the, the uh, habeas petition um, where the body of work got me home with the argument that was inside. Wow. I would write it, mail it to him with one of the 50 letters I was sending out. He would send it back, edit it. I would do whatever edits I needed, send it back to him. And we did this for, 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 uh, you know, for a short amount of time until it was respect, respectable. Like, honestly, right. I'm sitting up and doing this with a pen insert. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a pen insert in the typewriter, like it was going to be as best as it could, right? So um, I started to send out with my letters, like a draft of this thing. And that's when things started to change. 
Like I started to see people's response. Because now it was like yeah. official. You could tell there was some meat to this. This is what it is. Like right. for real. Like this is what it is. This is the case. And I started to talk the language of a lawyer. So I was like, okay, so that's what it is. How old are you at this point? So at this point, I was, tur- I was turning 22. Wow. So I was turning 22, and that's the thing about prison. Like, time doesn't go slow. Mm. You think it does, but one Christmas would turn into like seven of them wow. before you know it, right? Um, that's really surprising. And, and it's the real, like, it's the truth. You find a way to pass the time in prison. That mm-hmm. old saying, uh, do the time, don't let the time do you, and stuff like that, but... There's some truth to that psychologically where you have to. You read books and stuff like that to take you outside of the prison walls mentally. Mm. So even, they, even though they hold you physically, you do not ever surrender uh, your, your, your mental freedom to, to the establishment. You know, um, and, and so doing that, uh, I started to, to like take notes, like just like a diary, so to speak. Like the people I met, uh, the people I would help, um, my mother was keeping letters that I was writing to her, you know, even in the letters that I was writing, you can, you can see the, the evolution. Mm. So when I first started writing them, it was just like, yo, look, mom, I ain't do it. You know me. I love you. Boom. That's it. Then it started. You started seeing, hey, look, I just saw another case overturned. This happened. That happened. This can help in my case. So there was a maturation process. And, and in many ways, I received my certificate, my diploma from Loyola Law School. But I attended law school back in Green Bay Correctional Mm. Facility. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors 
has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so powerful because there's no substitute for the trenches there's no substitute for this has to work right Mm -hmm. and i think that's why that's the gift that being an entrepreneur has given me right so not nearly as terrifying or profound as going to prison but it's when you're building a company and your house is on the line and everything's in it there's there is no retreat failure has real consequence it's not i'm going to go get another job it's everything i have is taken away from me and i am at ground zero and i love that And when I was reading your story, I thought, okay, no one would wish this on somebody, certainly not somebody that they care about. And I don't even think I would be able to man up and wish it on myself knowing that there are benefits, but there are benefits. Yeah. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about the maturation process, to talk about how you could see your life transforming before your very eyes. And that to me is is why your story seems so exceptional, right? So, so many people have gone through what you've gone through, sadly, but you're the only one here for that reason. Is that, how do you think about the blessings that came out of this? I mean, I'm, I'm, each and every day I'm looking at, at, at the blessings that have, that have, that have come. Now, look, there's no way in hell I would have signed up for this, right? Like I, there's I, like not at all. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't definitely no. Nah, I wouldn't have gave up, you know, like all of my twenties essentially, you know, mm. for for this, um, not at all. But you know, you you look at it and 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 I'll give you an example like this. So I am um, I'm out, um, and I felt like like I missed so much, mm. like just so much. Uh, February 2007, I'm home. Uh, I was arrested in 1998, you know, um, turning 27 on my mother's couch with no credit, no insurance, nothing. But then I started to catch up with old friends. Um, and I started to, to, to run into old classmates. And I started to see something, right? And it was just like, well, damn, I've been gone. Spotted you all, a 10-year head start. And like, man, look, 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 this is, you know, but it wasn't them or it wasn't how remarkable I am, if I am at all. It was life itself. Life is hard. Life is hard. And people who are born into different situations have a hard time appreciating how hard it is for others. Right. And life is difficult. Um, had a high school buddy. Uh, you know, uh, he only operates with one side of his body now. He was shot up, you know, in a drug deal. So um, I looked at that. I have another friend. You know, he went to to the, the the army. There was an accident that happened, and he's not the same person anymore. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. So it's like, you know, he escaped the neighborhood to go to the army to, in, in search of a better opportunities. You know, for him and, and his family. Um, I go unsigned, unsigned up to go to prison, um, in, in in the hellish of conditions, uh, and I make it out. And I'm not going to say unscathed because that's definitely not the case. But I make it out um, in physical. You know relatively physical great help. And he he goes to the army to serve our country and he's just like not the same person anymore. So it was like, yeah, the, the blessings were right there in front of me. And 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 to 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 tell you, you know, even more how I used what I saw in there 
to drive me every time I got tired. So the best story I could tell you was in the visiting room one day. Um, you know, an hour before a visit with my mother and my aunts, I was out in basketball court again, uh, but I wasn't playing. I was like actually like reading over my, my case material stuff now. And uh, I was looking down, I met some guys, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a game going on. And uh, I thought the guys were like referring to each other as like nicknames, like, like nicknames, pops, old man, you know, grandpa and all that type. Uh, it wasn't until I got on the visit and I realized like, nah, that was like a grandfather, a father and a son all in one prison. Wow. And they were there on unrelated offenses, all drugs, Nonviolent, mm. and at the end of the visit, they have you stand up, meaning the visitors and the, the 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 inmates to go back into general population, and the visitors to go back past the security. So it wasn't then until it really hit home where I looked at the women who got up at the end of the visit, and each one of them with a toddler in tow in their hand, walking to to be released. And I said to myself, you know, how many of them, of them young black boys, girls, will grow to reach their potential or go to become a replacement, you know? And it was just like looking at stuff like that. It, it gave me the opportunity to say, look, you can get out here and play victim with you, if you want to, you know, because there's a lot of company for that. Right. When you can come out of here um, and make sure that, that if there's ever a story written about you or talked about or said about you, it won't end with, yeah, Jared was wrongfully convicted, he got out. Like, nah, 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 nah. This 10 years that I gave is going to be meaningful and more than, than, just, than just, you know, being a story. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I just, I, uh, every time I get tired, I, look, I, I think back to certain things, like looking at that in the visiting room. Um, and then looking at like like my mother, just like how hopeless, helpless you know she was. And if I can you know uh, have a law that allows me to 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 I don't have to be rich because rich people have problems. But I just want to be able to like go and I have to ask how much something costs before I order it, like on the menu. So right. that's what I want, right? And to be able to afford to send my kids through college. So I'm not doing this to to, to become you know wealthy or anything like that. Like I really want to do this to to see people um, live the lives that they deserve. Like, like life, life is really, really short. And I think that we don't value and appreciate, you know, our freedoms um, and our opportunities in, in, in our life. Uh, there are going to always be obstacles. You're going to have to either go around them, go over them, or go right through them. But you can't stop going. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't. And people ask me, like, well, how are you able to do this? Like, what other choice did I have? Like, I was coming home to a, a, a ever-changing environment in the city of Chicago where it's like, you, you, it's just a different, it's different. Like, right now, it's different right now in these neighborhoods. Um, and I didn't have any skills, but I had something that a lot of people who come home from, 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 from cases such as mine, they don't have. And that was my youth. A lot of people come home at the age of retirement with nothing to retire on. And they've been exonerated of crimes. And when you're exonerated of a crime, you don't get the same help that people who, who parole out of prison get. They'll get like halfway homes, you know, parole officers, you know, job readiness programs. Yeah, they're inadequate services, but they get services. Right. When you are wrongfully convicted, you don't get anything. That's crazy. You don't. That's crazy. And I, and I think that it's not that people don't care. They just, 
In society, things that make sense, you don't really question it because you're like, like, no, 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 no. There's no way you can let a person out after doing all that time and something they didn't do and you don't get anything. That doesn't make sense. But nah, it's, it's happening. It's real. I had one of the best moments ever um, a few weeks back. Uh, I was in the state of Wisconsin again, in court again. But this time, I was an attorney, co-counsel with Keith Finley, the director of the Innocence Project, who got me out in Wisconsin. So me and him are working a case together. Um, and, and we are representing the guy that we feel wholeheartedly is innocent because the DNA evidence excludes him from ever being there. So it was like, what does that mean, right? He didn't do it. But these courts don't look at it like that. They believe in finality more than they believe in justice. So in, 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 in being able to sit there, uh, it was one of these moments where it was just like, look, monetarily, they could never repay me for what they have done to me. Uh, but when they have to address me as counselor in the same court, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a different feeling, man. It really is. Do you like superhero movies? I, I, I kind of do. Like certain ones, like X-Men, I'm a big fan of all of those, right? I like the idea of there being someone um, when something goes wrong and they just scream for help, a silhouette will appear. And, <laughs> you and me no, both. I like that idea. I do. Because going back to what you said a minute ago, what other choice did you have when people yeah. ask you, how do you keep going? Um, I love that for you, there was no other option, but the obvious option is to quit. The obvious yeah. option, and it's the option almost everyone is takes. Is easy, too. Is yeah. easy. It's to do nothing. Yeah. It's to retreat. It's to play the victim. And it is very rare yeah. that somebody constructs their mentality the way that you have to build themselves up to look at a system that they believe is fundamentally broken and say, yeah. I'm actually going to go back inside that system. I'm going to win your highest awards. Mm -hmm. I'm going to demand your respect, not ask for it. I'm going to demand your respect by winning the game as you have rigged it. Exactly. And when you can win a game that you know is rigged, but that you can still outplay and outperform, mm -hmm. that's a superhero. The fact that you went back in played their game, won, got everything anyone would ever think that you would want, but then said, that's actually just the beginning. Now I'm going to go become a counselor. Now I'm going to go back into the same system that betrayed me, and I'm going to help other people that are in a similar situation. It really is somebody calls help and the silhouette shows up, and you're yeah. the silhouette. I mean, it's, it's inspiring. Well, I thank you. And... and I hope that it's inspiring. And the reason that I hope that it is, it's inspiring is because I need help. Like, and what I mean by help is I don't necessarily need financial help or, you know, food, but you can feed me if you like. But <laughs> Can somebody bring a lot of something? It, it, yes. But if, if, we don't, if we don't get the people who are both affected by it and not affected by it to care about it, it will never change. So what I'm advocating for is... The, the change of our criminal justice system. And you may not think it benefits you. Well, let me try to reach, you know, viewers another way. So maybe you don't have anyone in jail. Or maybe you'll never go to jail. Um, however, what about a sickness, right? How do you know we're not locking away and throwing away the key on someone who has groundbreaking research to some type of pharmaceutical drug that can help save your life. You don't know that, right? Because you never would have thought that I would have been able to come and do all this. But let me tell you this, 
They didn't serve me a smart pill in prison. Like, I didn't magically go there and be like, oh, shit, I'm ready for the LSAT and all of that. Like, no, nah, that's not how it happened, right? Like, no. Like, so it's like I had these talents before going to prison. But my candle was almost blew out before it was even lit. So, it, you know, when I got there and, and, and being able to have these other conversations with other, you know, inmates and stuff like that, I still say to this day, I've worked with some of the, 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 the brightest minds and judges and lawyers and stuff like that. Still, some, some of the person, some of the people I've met with, 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 with so, so much smart, so much talent were right in prison, like right in prison. So we've always decided that the best way to get out of stuff is to punish our way out of it. And where has it gotten us? Like, it hasn't gotten us anywhere. So what's the solution? The solution is simple. Look, this needs to be a curriculum. Like, race in America needs to be a curriculum. Um, and it needs to be a curriculum because it'll trickle down into the effects that, are, that, that mess us up in society today, right? But most Americans don't really realize the, the privilege that comes with who they are, not because of who they are, but how they look. And so if we're teaching this as a curriculum, right, what it is to be black, in America, what it is to be African-American in America, what it is to be white in America. You start to change the system from within. Because right now, like we got a bunch of Archie Bunkers making decisions for us in society, man. And like, like for real, it's just, it's very clear um, now what's going on. So, so at this point, if stuff isn't changed, it's not changed because the people who have the power to change it don't want it changed. But then we lock those people up. We house them for decades in violent situations no job training, no nothing. 92% of people who go to prison are coming home one day. And we release them right back into that same community of people that we swore to protect. And that's okay. That makes sense? It doesn't. And I'm not that smart. I'm, I'm, I'm just, like, even when I went to law school, like, I, I could look and tell and, and, like, size up competition. And I'm like, yeah, look, go girl with them glasses. Like, she'd beat, beat me to a punch, <laughs> like, in any argument, like, for real. So what I would do was, she probably sleep. I wasn't sleeping. So you could be smarter than me, but you were never going to outwork me, ever. Like, for real. Like, I would go hide from the janitor in the library, you know, just, just so I can use, because uh, I couldn't afford printing paper. So I would, like, bounce from floor to floor. If he was cleaning this floor, I was on the second floor. He was cleaning the second floor, I was back on the first, just to spend enough time in there because I, I, I couldn't blow this opportunity. Like, I couldn't, right? It meant more to, to, to the hope and impact that I hope, hope to have on you know, young boys who look like myself to understand, like, look, I need y'all. Like, I need y'all to stop giving up so easily and, 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 and saying, oh, forget it. And just, you know, joining into the, 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 the cycle of hopelessness. Like, I need you to do what I did. Like, seriously, it may, it may sound crazy, but like, nah, I need that to happen. I need that to happen because, like, I want to have kids one day. I want to have kids to, and not have to worry about them being taken advantage of or being born in circumstances, you know, where it's like, you know, they, they, they are looking and facing what I'm facing. And the only way I can do that is to do three things, man. I, and, and that's love God. I'm loving my wife, recently married, um, and loving this life by living it um, in a way in which I want to leave it for the kids that I have. Like, that's it. Um, and I know uh, the, the analogy of superhero was used. I appreciate that. I really do. And if I didn't have his makeup on, I'd probably be blushing. Like <laughs> but uh, nah, man, like, I, I really like. I, I really don't like. I'm I'm at the point where it's like I've been on a breakneck pace, like just a breakneck pace. I want to do as much work as I can, uh, start the movement of, you know, ruling this thing out from the inside out. And the only way you do like, look, there are no quick, quick answers to big problems. Like, there just aren't any. 
So if you think we're going to pass a bill and everything is going to be A-OK, it's not going to happen. So we need to take the long route and the most stable route, and that's to bring these curriculums into our school. You know, I don't have all the answers at this point. You know, to be here, and I thank you again, it's like a coming out party because I'm able to share my, my story, which I call my testimony, to others. And I don't do it to glorify myself because um, it would be great, it would be great, you know, to, 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 to stick my chest out like a 10-foot peacock and be like, yo, look at me. But more than anything, I would rather um, be somewhere sticking my toes in the sand looking at what other people are doing as a result of me starting a real conversation. Well, let's get some more people that can help you. Where can these guys find you online? So you can look up my website, jaredadams.com. Um, and Spell you can, that for them because it's not. Okay. It's Jared, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Adams, A-D-A-M-S.com. So you can look up jaredadams.com. Uh, I'm the co-founder of a nonprofit called Life After Justice. And basically what it does is it advocates for the, the change of, of, of the criminal justice system, like the change of it it's, itself. You know, and what better way to change the criminal justice system by having someone who, who, who has been there? But it is so hard to get a platform, mm. to get a voice when you've been there rightfully or wrongfully. Because I want people to understand, uh, you, know, you know, a couple things. Like, I'm not a magic trick. I'm, I'm absolutely real 100%. And I didn't take a shortcut here. It took me 10 years to, like, get here. I've been home since 2007. So it was no shortcut. Like, I didn't get a degree while I was in, in prison. Mm. So I went the long way. Um, and to also to, to, to get them to understand, like, if you think this is, is amazing, there are other amazing things that could be done. And you don't have to look at this as an entire heel. When you look at things in its entirety, it becomes such a daunting task that you don't even want to deal with it. Right? But if you look at what is in your area, you know, go look up in, in its public record for you to ask what the decision makers that you voted in are doing in terms of reentry, um, the prison itself, go check their record and find out what they're doing and go hold them to um, the standard that you voted them in on. Because again, um, the criminal justice system is creating more problems than it's, than it's stopping. If you use what the prison is pro producing and you use that with a car company and you had the same numbers, uh, it wouldn't keep continuing. If more than 50% of the people or more than 50% of the cars right. that come off a production line were back on that production line for some reason within two, three years. The Congress would have a national debate on how do we stop this particular car company. Right. But like over 50% of the people who get out of prison Jeez. come back in two to three years. And somehow we're like, we got to get tougher on crime. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Yeah. They'll stop it eventually. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask, what's the impact that you want to have on the world? Well, I have an answer, but I also have something even better to go with that answer. All right, I have so. a gift for you, my friend. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't want to come at the end. Turn of events. Yeah. So this is a T-shirt, and it's a logo um, of my organization that I have. And I want to take the time to like explain to you what this depiction means, yeah, because it's very important for for uh, even people who, who don't know how to help and they want to help to just like get one of these shirts, wear this shirt. Because what this means is this. This, this is a picture of someone leaving out of prison um, and the bars are behind them, right? Um, and the person that is leaving has a briefcase and has a suit on. So what this means is that it's not a business person or a lawyer leaving out of prison necessarily. What that means is the person is putting the worst behind them 
with the representation of the bars. And they're walking out with the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations of being productive in society to be able to live and just have a life. But you can't get to that if we still have the depiction of the people who leave from prison as someone who looks like a character of Oz. Right. So that's the whole meaning of having this logo represent the mission statement. So it's more than just a, just a logo. Because it, you know, it was like difficult going back and forth. I would have loved to just have like a Nike swoosh. And like that's it. <laughs> but I couldn't, you know what I mean? So I was like, look, let me put some thought in this. So this is yours, my friend. Wow, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And so that's Fantastic. my impact. My impact that I hope to have is to break down the barriers and the stigmas that society um, has allowed to be placed to, on people who go to the prison system. It's incredible. Jared, thank you so much, thank brother. You, brother. That was incredible. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, trust me. Thank you all. Thank you all for making this happen. Guys, I don't know if you just got uh, rocked as hard as I did, but that was absolutely incredible through the whole interview. All I could think about was his mom, and God, if she's not as proud of this man as I am, she is. Then, uh, then I don't know what's going on. Absolutely amazing. A story of mindset, a story of transformation, a story of not making excuses, of starting where you start and building from there, but absolutely insisting on building. And when he said that there was no choice, the thought of quitting didn't even cross his mind, that's what I love. And that was the thing that really made him somebody that we had to have come on the show. And as I researched this story and read about what happened, it was all overshadowed by how he reacted. And at the end of the day, we can't control what happens to us, but we absolutely can control how we react. And the way that this man has reacted inspires the shit out of me. I hope he inspires you guys as much as he did me. All right, this is a weekly show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And my friends, until next time, be like this guy. Peace out. Thank you. My man, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Impact Theory. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends. 